So today, um, as we kind of continue what we've been walking through, um, we're going to be in the book of Colossians, uh, looking at actually some of the last verses in, uh, in Colossians chapter 4. Um, we'll get all the way up to verse 17. There's 18 verses in the last chapter, so Jeremy will take on that last verse next week. So he couldn't let me finish it. I think we all knew that had to be that way. So um, no, I'm really excited for that, um, and we're really excited for this next season. Um, as, uh, you know, I'll share in Colossians today, Jeremy will share in Colossians, we'll wrap up that entire book, and then um, we'll get to kind of do something special during the Christmas season, um, and then we'll go from there, Jeremy will be sharing a little bit more about that in the coming weeks, but uh, excited to continue in Colossians. Um, As we've been going through this last series, which we're calling Grace Be With You, we've been kind of looking at just the reminder of what this whole book to the Colossians is, um, which really is this um, instruction and this great theological kind of disposition of uh, reminding the people of who Christ is and, and what it looks like to have a life in Christ and that really everything about the, the life of the Colossians should be centered around Christ. And, and the same reminder goes to us is that when we look through this letter, we can deeper our knowledge and relationship with Christ that we might have a life where we live in Christ and that we might remember that he is supreme and sufficient through all things in our life. So that's kind of a big outworking of what the book of Colossians is. It's really this disposition completely centering the people in Christ and and the same goes for us as we've looked at this for, for, you know, the past almost a year now um, with some breaks in between and such. But um, again, as we've been wrapping this up in our current series, Grace Be With You, we've been reading these final words of Paul. Um, he shares some final greetings, he shares some um, instructions, and then he just reinforces some of the different thoughts that he has in this letter. Last week we talked about Paul reinforcing us to center our lives on Christ and to stand firm in Christ, which he gives us the strength to do um, through his spirit um, and through um, the family of faith that we call ourselves part of. So uh, today we'll be in Colossians chapter 4, like I already mentioned, uh, verses 14 through 17. Uh, we're going to go ahead and read that to Together, and then I just want to pray for our time in God's word. Uh, Colossians 4, uh, verse 14 through 17. says this, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greeting to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. Would you guys pray with me? Uh, Father, we just thank you for today. God, we are so thankful for, for who you are, um, God, especially in this season as we uh, come, um, you know, just around a few days from now celebrating Thanksgiving, um, and we'll have time with family, we'll have time, um, you know, with friends or whatever that may look like, God. I just pray that in this season, um, regardless of what Thanksgiving might look like on Thursday, God, that, that we can celebrate today and, and every day of our life the thankfulness we have because of who you are, God. Um, we're so thankful for your faithfulness to us. We're so thankful for um, this family of faith and the way that you've brought people into our lives to, to love us and serve us and to walk through life with us, God. Um, God, I pray that today you would just speak to our hearts and mind. Um, God, I pray that you would move me out of the way, um, that we might just hear from your word, um, that I might even hear from your word, God, as we get to look at your scripture today, as we get to just see a glimpse of who you are and what you have for us, God. God, I pray today that we would just be reminded of how faithful you are, God, and that when we put our faith in you, that we can trust you to carry things out, God. You, we can trust you to, to go before us and to go with us in this life, God. God, we thank you for who you are. Be with us today. Um, bless us with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So reading this passage in, in Colossians, um, there's a few things we're going to talk about today. And what I, I, as I was exploring this passage and, and reading through it over the last few weeks, um, kind of a few things that, that we'll talk about today and what I see here is, is uh, one is we see a reminder that we are a family of faith. 
uh, two, we see a reminder to be built up and rooted in Scripture as Paul encourages these people to read this letter um, as well as read um, more things that he had been writing. Uh, we see um, just a reminder to encourage one another in the faith, and we see instructions to fulfill the ministry that the Lord has for us. And we're going to kind of walk through each of those things a little bit individually and look at all that we have um, in this letter and, and kind of see how Paul is supporting things he's already said in this letter as well as other things we have um, throughout Scripture. So firstly, I just want to talk about that we are a family of faith. Um, I think um, if we read Colossians uh, 4, verses 14 through 15 again, we see here, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. As does Demas, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha in the church and her house. Um, so not immediately here, we don't have this instruction or we don't have these words where it says family or faith, but we have all of these people that Paul talks about. And if you go back to verse 7, some of the verses we've been unpacking lately, uh, Paul references multiple people, some of them we talked about, um, like uh, Justice, um, Jesus, who is called Justice, uh, talks about um, Epaphras, talks about a few other people and all these people that Paul is just reminding the Colossians of all these different people, these companions that Paul has, some people they've met and they know, or just some people maybe they've heard of, or some people that they just want to say, hey, these people are struggling for you. These people are praying for you. Paul is just reminding the Colossians of this overall family of faith, this capital C church of people that just truly love and care for them. It's a great reminder for us of this family of faith that we have, not just us as, as believers, not just us as risen hope, but the overall family of faith that the church of Christ is, that the body of Christ is because of our genuine love and care for one another. If you've been at Risen Hope for a while, you've heard us talk about this idea of family of faith. Um, it's one of our pillars here, one of the things that we talk about and we care about a lot as us as a church and us as a family. Um, it's that we as children of God have found hope through the good news of Christ and, that we have, that, and what he has done for us. And as it says in uh, Colossians chapter 1, we who once were alienated have been reconciled by Christ, that we all as one family of faith share in the same thing together. We share in Christ. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says this, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So though the church of, of Jesus, though the people and Christians are represented in so many different churches, um, even in our church, there's so many people here that are so different than one another. We all are united in this one thing. We're all united in Christ. We're all a family of faith because of what we have in Christ. We share this one Lord, this one baptism, this one faith, the one Father. We share this and we walk together as a body of Christ, as a family of faith. We're all united through the life, work, death, and resurrection of Christ as this family of faith. Uh, Paul's greeting here and elsewhere I'll echo the heart and soul of that which fellow believers are deeply united to one another due to their shared connection in Christ. And not only do we see him just greeting and, and representing these different names, we can make this tie and connection to, um, to this overall family of faith that we have and the importance of these other people, um, but we also just see this idea of greeting and these, this idea of, of giving people um, acknowledgement and just showing the love and care. And as Paul talks about with some of these people, their struggle and their passion for these people through prayer, through ministry, and their care for one another. Um, and we see that this idea of greeting, Paul is obviously doing a lot of greetings in his different writings where he greets people in the beginning. He sends some final greetings in the end. But Paul in, in, in other writings also just gives this instruction to greet one another um, over and over again, specifically in First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Romans, and 1 Thessalonians, Paul instructs believers that they are to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, this might seem a little bit foreign. There's going to be no immediate application today revolved around kissing. Um, just to clarify real quick before I lose you. Um, seems a little foreign to us, a little questionable, but greet one another with a holy kiss. So first important thing to know here is that 
that greeting someone with a kiss back then would have been fairly regular. So that, that kind of gives a little bit more of context to what we're talking about. Um, and this is more of like a kiss on a cheek too, if we just need to get, just, just to make sure we're all on the same page here. Um, but just a greeting. And maybe you guys have been to other cultures or seen that type of greeting before. Or some of you maybe in your family or in your culture um, have something like that. But um, he gives this instruction to all believers to greet one another with a holy kiss. Um, and what's really being said here is that when people come together, when the body of Christ, when the family of faith comes together and we greet one another, we take something that's normal. We take something like a handshake or a fist bump or a hug or maybe just the genuine words that we share with one another. And this greeting, this exchange of, of people greeting one another and this connection between brothers and sisters in Christ, that type of greeting is a holy experience. Not because it's just a normal greeting that other people do, similar to what our context might greet one another in, but because of this connection that we share as a family of faith. That when we greet one another, that is a holy experience because of our shared love and our genuine love for one another because of our unity in Christ. Today we can and we should greet one another in such a manner in which our greetings are holy. You know, we love and care for one another as a body of Christ. That's a handshake, a hug, a genuine greeting. Maybe it's a kiss, you know, um, apply as needed and as necessary and as appropriate. Um, but, um, you know, whatever that might look like. Um, but Paul has this importance in his words that he shows it both in practice and the way that he greets people and shares the greetings that he has for people in the letters and where he's writing them to and the different people and his companions around him and their deep care for these places and people that he's writing to, as well as this instruction to greet one another in a way that's holy because of the way that we interact with one another as Christians. In all of our interactions as a church body and with other believers, let us walk as people united in Christ as one, as a family of faith. Um, secondly, looking at this verse and continuing in Colossians 4 is that, that we can grow in our faith through God's word. Um, Colossians 4 verse 16 says this, And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Paul instructs the Colossians after they read this letter that they are to share it with the church um, at Laodicea, with the Laodiceans. And the people there will have a letter to share with them as well. Paul's desire is that they continue to be built up by writings in which they can know Christ more and that their hearts and affections of, of the people would be drawn nearer to Christ and that they would be stirred to affection in Christ, that these written words would be able to, to show them a picture of who Christ is and that they might be able to walk in that. And really Paul here was fulfilling what he knew was his duty um, to build up and equip the church. As we, as we see in Ephesians 4 and, and we see in some of Paul's other writings, it says this, Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 14, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes." Paul was fulfilling his duty in these writings to equip the people of God and see them built up in unity as a family of faith. And we now today obviously know the tremendous importance of this very letter that we get to walk about as we see it in our Bible. We see this as the word of God. We know that God through his spirit, through his work, inspired Paul to write this letter to the Colossians. Um, and this idea of this letter being passed down and shared from the Colossians to the Laodiceans to all the churches, um, to the point of now it's been shared with us, that we have in our Bible this letter that was written to a specific people in a specific time, and yet God still shows us so much of himself to us, the church in Risen Hope, the church in Kingsgate, 
generations and, and thousands of years later. It's incredible to see the way that God is using this and spreading that. And obviously us reading this now in our time, we see a much bigger picture of this. Um, and though we don't have that same need to maybe share the, the letter with another church as we received it you know, from a courier and, and it was given to us, we still can look at this passage and see this idea of you read this, you take this in, and now you share it with the Laodiceans. It's just the importance and, and the opportunity we have that when we look at God's word, when we see God's word, to share that with one another. Uh, we also get to take this instruction to seek another letter um, for us as a church and us individually to look back and continue in looking at God's word to see more of who he is and that we can look towards writings that stir our affections for Christ. Interestingly enough, this other letter he references, the letter to the Laodiceans, there's a few different thoughts on what this letter could be. Maybe it was another letter that we have in scripture that was passed on to the Laodiceans and now being passed on to them. Or maybe this was just another letter written by Paul to encourage another church that um, isn't something that we have in scripture, but was something that surely because of the character of Paul that we know, something that was sent to encourage people, to build people up, to remind them of who Christ is and all that they have in him. And this is kind of a reminder for us that, you know, everything we look at when we're trying to understand who God is and what, what we have in Christ is, is to be centered in scripture, is to be about Jesus, is to be centered in the gospel, but that there are other things, other writings, other um, you know, people and teachings we can look to that can stir our affections for Christ. Again, centered in Christ, centered on the gospel, centered in scripture, um, but there's letters that may not be in scripture. There's writings that may not be in scripture that still can encourage God's people together and that we should look towards things in scripture and other things centered around scripture that will stir our affections for Christ. Um, Colossians 3.16, one of the earlier passage in Colossians, uh, shares a lot about what we should look to in the word of God. Uh, it says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let us as a family of faith continually seek the word of God that we may dwell in God's wisdom and be built up in his truth. That's what we see here in Colossians is this idea of this letter coming to them for them to see it and to know who Christ is, to be centered on the gospel, to be centered on Christ, and then to share that with others and then to look for more things within Paul's writing and ultimately within what God was providing to the people to remind them of who Christ is and what he has for them. Um, next in this passage in Colossians 4, uh, I want to look at verse 17. And I think this reminds us that, that we are to encourage one another in the faith. And it says this, and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So the second to last verse in this letter to the Colossians, the last one that we're going to look at today, instructs the people to share with Archippus that he fulfill his ministry. Uh, this being a call to encourage and build up someone that is there with the people, uh, most commonly thought to be a leader in the church in Laodicea. Um, now there is some thought or question here is, you know, why is this instruction given? Why does Archippus need to be built up? Is, is he having a rough season? Is he going through something hard? Is he maybe faltering in the faith? Um, no, to be honest, we can't be sure. There's not enough context here for us to completely understand that. But if we look at some of Paul's other writings and the way that he writes to um, others that maybe are going through different situations or people that are faltering or people that are in specific sins, um, Paul isn't shy about calling that out. Paul isn't shy about addressing things where correction is needed and, and redirecting people back to Christ. Um, and then we see later that Archippus in another writing um, is referred to as by Paul as a fellow soldier, uh, which leads to kind of this thought of his work as a leader or pastor, probably amongst the Laodiceans. All of this being said is that there's a lesson here that 
we as a family of faith are called to encourage one another in the faith. And this is not always in those situations, uh, maybe where someone's in trouble or sorrow, but that we all are called to encourage one another in every season to build one another up and to stand firm in this calling that we have in our lives. So Archippus, you know, maybe had nothing going on in his life at this time. Maybe he was just continuing in the work that God had called him to. And yet there's still an instruction there to build him up, to encourage him. Um, and that's just a good reminder for us is that we can always be encouraging to one another. Yes, of course, let's rally around people. Let's support and love people when in need. Um, but we're all in need of encouragement in every season. And there's always an opportunity for us to do that. And that's a call that we have in our lives. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another, build one another up. That's what we as a family of faith should walk out and seek to do. We're to walk as a family of faith that is rooted and built up in God's word and encourage one another to stand firm and to walk in Christ. Amidst Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 7 says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Um, for the remainder of our time today, I want to talk specifically about the people, uh, about what the people were instructed to encourage Archippus in. That being that he fulfill the ministry received in the Lord. We see in this, this letter, this kind of closing part in, uh, in, in verse 17, that, that they encourage Archippus to fulfill the ministry that he had received in the Lord. Um, and there's certainly applicable things there where we encourage one another. We encourage those who have callings and those who are in ministry uh, to continue working that out. Um, but let's be reminded that we're all called to fulfill the ministry that we have received from the Lord and that we've received in the Lord, that we all have a ministry to fulfill. Um, this is true of certainly leaders and pastors. This is true of, of Jeremy. This is true of myself, of other church leaders. This is just true of Risen Hope, that Risen Hope has a call and a ministry where we're seeking to know God and to show God and that we're seeking to fulfill the ministry and love and serve the people of Kingsgate and serve our neighbors and, and um, the people of, of this body. Um, but we all individually have a ministry that God has given us and called us to fulfill. So just as we encourage others in the ministry, we too, um, by the encouragement of our family of faith and work of God in our lives, have a ministry to fulfill. Let's look at Romans 12, uh, verses 4 through 8. And in Romans 12, it says this, For as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith is service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So how do we fulfill this ministry that God has given us? How do each one of us take whatever the calling is in our life or, or just the words of God that we've looked at or just understanding as, as people of God that we are to love him and to love our neighbors? How do we fulfill this ministry that God has given us? We fulfill our ministry by faith. Um, now that's a little bit of an abstract. It's hard to apply that. So we're gonna unpack that a bit here in the next few moments. But we fulfill our ministry that God is calling us to. We fulfill what God has for us in our lives by faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now this isn't blind faith, but sure faith, because our hope is real and our conviction is true. I was recently reading a, a book by R.C. Sproul, uh, and he was talking a lot about faith in this book. And, and to be honest, and I'll share this uh, 
as we kind of talk about what he said, but this, this hit me hard because I think it was a really good thought on what faith is and what faith looks like in our lives. And, and he said this in his book, that faith is not merely that we believe there is a God or that we believe in God, but real faith, faith that we walk out is that we believe God, that we believe God. Um, so not just that we believe in God, but that we believe God when he gives us things. We believe that God is leading us. We believe the word of God. We believe the instructions. We believe the promises that he gives us. And I don't know about you, but if I think about when I stumble or when I'm going through a rough season or, or when I have questions in my life, it's often not that I f- stop believing in God. It's not that I don't know if he's real or if he's there, but it's that I fail to believe his promises. It's that I fail to believe that he's working in my life. It's that I fail to believe um, that he's present. I, it's failed, I fail to believe that the, the work of God is, is all around me. It's not that I forget that God's there. It's not that I don't believe in God anymore. It's that I don't believe his promises, that I don't remember and look to his word and believe that. We as a people of God fulfill our ministry when we believe that God, who has faithfully walked with and led his children, the family of faith for generations, will continue to do the same for us, that we believe his faithfulness for us is going to be carried out. We believe that his promises are going to come true, and he has an incredible track record of fulfilling his promises. When we think about our faith, our faith can only be as strong as that which we put our faith in. Uh, you know, often we put our faith in things of this world and they fail us over and over again. Paul even warned the Colossians of this and we'll talk about that in a second. But, but think about that. Our faith can only ever be as strong as that which we put our faith in. Um, so just think about things in this world. Um, I'm a huge sports fan. Um, so I often put my faith in every single year of the Mariners. Um, if you know anything about sports, even if you don't know that much about sports, you know the Mariners have been really bad for a really long time. Uh, my faith is only as good as their players, and their players are bad. Um, so my faith is not very strong in the Mariners. Um, if you don't know, they have the longest drought of postseason in every single major sport. Um, so they're, they're pretty bad. Um, our faith in things like that, and that's trivial and stuff, but our faith in things of this world, our faith in our job is only going to be as good as our job. Our faith in things of this world are going to be temporary and fleeting, but our faith in God is something that will never go away. Our faith is as strong as that which we put our faith in. And when we put our faith in God, it is in something that is infinitely faithful, something that always comes through, something that, someone that always fulfills his promises. Colossians 2 verse 8 says this, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Paul earlier in Colossians reminds us and reminded the people that things of this world, things like worldly philosophies, things like um, human tradition, that, that these in it of themselves are empty, that these things will fail us. These things are not something we could put our faith in. They will fall short because they're not according to Christ. But when we put our faith in Christ, we see something that is so perfect, something that is always faithful. Faith in Christ is faith in something that is unfailing, perfect, and abounding in unconditional love. Uh, Hebrews 13 verses 20 through 21 say this, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God has continually shown his faithfulness to his people and this is culminated in the redeeming work of Christ. 
that God's faithfulness is culminated in the redeeming work of Christ. Not only what Christ has done, which certainly is an incredible testament of God's faithfulness and his deliverance on his promises, but the continued work of God redeeming us in our life, the work of God in our lives and the redeeming and the redemption that we see through God's people and through people coming to know him in this world around us. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11 recounts uh, what has commonly been referred to as the hall of faith. Um, another sports reference there, Hall of Fame. Um, but the Hall of Faith, in which it declares the faith of God did incredible things through many people throughout the Old Testament. Um, and I was actually just going to rattle off a quick list of, of the people that is referred to in Hebrews 11. But I was reading it this morning, and I think there's just such a powerful reminder there that I'm going to read kind of a, a large chunk of this. Um, it's not going to be on the screens here. It's Hebrews chapter 11, if you want to follow along. I'll give you a second to turn there, because um, I'm going to read more than I would normally read from. But I just think this passage... Um, is so important and shows just an incredible testament of what God has done through his people by faith. Um, so Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 4. Um, we're going to read up to 31, but we're going to skip a little section in there um, for the sake of time. Uh, I just think this is a powerful testament to who God is and, and what he's done by faith through his people. Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Forever who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Uh, for the sake of time, we're going to jump to verse 17. Um, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in fact of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each one of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw what the that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. 
By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on the dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. It's a lot there. Um, There's a lot there. Um, But I was reading this this morning, and rather than just rattling off some names, I think it was just a great opportunity for us to look at over and over again, the, the writer of Hebrews recounts what these people did by faith. That by faith, God used someone, God uses his people to fulfill his ministry, to fulfill what he is ultimately culminating. Um, and, and Hebrews 11 certainly does not end there. And actually my favorite verses are, are what came right after that. So Hebrews 11, verse 32 through 34 says this. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and of David, and of Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. For time would fail. That's what the writer of Hebrews says, is that for us to look at and recount what God has done with people by faith, Time would fail to talk about that. Time would fail for us to read that. Time would fail for us to explore this faithfulness of God, of what he's done through his people by faith. Time would fail us to try to understand, to try to look at God's faithfulness. Yeah, that's what we get to do as Christians, is that we get to use our lives and spend our lives exploring the faithfulness of God. Um, And truly, time will fail us to, to try to explore this until we eventually get to be with him. Time would fail to share of what God has done. And this is only naming some of the people we have in the Old Testament. There is so much more of what God did through the faith of of the disciples, what he did through Paul, what he did through Luke, and countless others named, like we have in Archippus and Nympha. God, by faith, did so much through all of these people. Now, looking back to Hebrews 11, at all of these people that had faith, they had faith in the promise of the one to come. They had faith that they were waiting for God to rescue them. They had faith in the Messiah, in the promised one. It talks about um, Moses in, in that Hebrews 11 passage that we just read and that he knew for that the coming of Christ was far greater than, than what he could receive as a, a king in Egypt. That they were looking to the promised one. We now, even furthermore, have faith in the one who came. Not in the one that we're waiting for. In the one who came. We have faith in the one who has already purchased us. We have faith in the one who has declared that it is finished. We have faith in the one who has given us life through his death. We have faith in him who was faithful before all time and will be faithful forevermore. For Christ came, he lived the perfect life, overcoming temptation. He taught us of what, to, what was to come and he taught his people about the kingdom of God. He took on death and doing so took on the wrath of God for all sins, past, present, and future. Then he rose from death, secured eternal life for us in him, and has given us his spirit to continue the work of his kingdom until he calls us home. He is faithful to us. God is so faithful to us. Deuteronomy 7 uh, verse 9 says this, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. We fulfill our ministry by putting our faith in him who is always faithful to us. Now to say that we do this by faith and that faith is to believe God and to believe his promises of him who is faithful, but what does that look like for each one of us? Um, There's a couple ways we can look at this. I think the Romans passage we led where it talks about the different um, 
different people, the, the overall body of Christ, and that we're all many members, and that we all have a different gift and, and a role that we are to play. Um, but I think we can also look at Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 2. In Hebrews 12, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We run this race embracing, as we looked at in Romans 12, the gift God has given us to serve, teach, exhort, live generously, lead, do acts of mercy. We use the gifts that God has given us to do his work. We looked to what God gives us and where he is leading us. For Noah, God led him to build an ark by faith. Um, By faith, he obeyed. By faith, Moses, looking to God's promises and the need of God's people, forsook his royalty in Egypt and obeyed God to lead the people. So the question we ask is, what does that look like for me? What does that look like for you? What does that look like for us? For me, um, since I was uh, about 18 years old, actually, um, God, I'd been a Christian for about a year and a half, and I felt this strong kind of nudge and urge by God that I was supposed to be part of of planting churches, that I was supposed to help plant a church. And one day I thought that would probably look like me going and and planting a church, and I I believe that may still be the case. Um, But kind of seeing what that would look like, it was was really hard for me to see. Um, It was 18 years old. I'd been a Christian for a year and a half. I, I just graduated high school, and I felt like God was pushing me to to plant a church. And I went off to college. Um, I was studying ministry. And, and very quickly, well, in college, I, I got connected with some people and got asked if I would come help plant a church. And I joined um, as just a second year in college person as a group of 20 people to go and, and plant a church. And man, there was some hard seasons. There were some rough seasons, but God was incredibly faithful. God did incredible things through that um, and built up what, what still is a really incredible church. And, and God has continued to put that in my heart and, and put that within me where um, now, uh, a year and a half ago, that church that I was a part of had people coming out of it to plant a church, which is where we are today, which is risen hope, and, and God, again, stirring my heart, knowing what he's called me to, knowing what my ministry looks like in my life, um, to see that his word would be spread and that his church would be built up. Um, me and my wife felt very sure that we were called to be part of, of risen hope and what we have today. Um, that's what my faith has done, and that's what, by faith, God has led me into being a part of. And, and like I said, there's ups and downs. Um, there's things that go well. There's things that go um, hard, but, but I'm looking to God by faith and trusting in him that, that he has us where we're at for a reason and, and to fulfill his ministry. And, and God has really blessed that in so many ways and, and continues to, to bless that. Um, we also see in our passage in Colossians 4 that Nympha hosted a church in her home. She knew the need of, to gather God's people, and by faith she opened up her home and that God blessed her in doing that. Um, God blessed her with that home. Um, and I think this is just an important lesson here and things that we can look at. Uh, we often look at scripture and we see people like Paul. Uh, we see Luke mentioned in this passage. We see these big heroes of the faith. Some of the people we talked about, like Noah and Abraham and, and all those people. And we think about, man, like, how am I supposed to fulfill the ministry? You're saying that, you know, Paul's talking about fulfilling the ministry and that I'm supposed to do the same. Um, I think Nympha is a great example of someone fulfilling the ministry, seeing that God had blessed her with a home, seeing the need to gather the body of the church. And you know what? There's many of you in this church that are seeking to do that or have done that in different seasons where you gather part of the body of the church in your home and get to see a profound kingdom impact when people are built up as a family of faith. 
This is looking at, like we said in Romans 12, the different gifts that God has given us, looking at the things that God has blessed us with, and just looking at the leadings that God has in our life. Uh, maybe this is, like me, to, to be part of planning churches. Um, maybe this is just us seeing in Scripture and believing that God is calling us to love Him and to love people and just finding applicable ways to do that. But what is God calling you to? What are the needs around you? What gifts has God given you? Have faith in what God has given you and where He is leading you, and look to Christ. To look to Christ to fulfill the ministry he is leading you in. He is at work in and through those that put faith in him, and he by his spirit strengthens us and equips us for every good work. Looking back to all those people spoken of in Hebrews 11, almost all of these people had failures, they made mistakes, um, but God's faithfulness to them was stronger than any of their shortcomings. That's something we have to remember is that we aren't going to be perfect. In fact, that's exactly what Hebrews 12 just talked about, um, is that God's faithfulness is stronger than any of our shortcomings. And he continues his work in and through the people that we heard in Hebrews 11 and through us to accomplish his will and purpose through their faith because his faithfulness is greater than anything that we have to offer. Um, as Hebrew 12 says, acknowledging that, that you know, we will face shortcomings, as we will make mistakes, as we will fall short, um, let us lay aside every weight and sin. Let us lay aside those things, even though they still are present and we will still struggle. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. The faith by which we fulfill our ministry is not perfect in our own doing, but is perfected by the faithfulness of God, who in the midst of our shortcoming never fails to be faithful to us. I'm gonna say that again, because this has been really good for me to hear this week. The faith by which we fulfill our ministry is not perfect in our own doing, but is perfected by the faithfulness of God who in the midst of our shortcomings never fails to be faithful to us. As we talked about in Hebrews 11, for time would fail to explore, to hear, to write, to see of the faithfulness of God. God never fails to be faithful to us, even in our shortcomings, even in our failures, even in our sin, God is faithful. And he's at work in us. He is the perfecter and the founder of of our faith. This reiterates what we talked about last week, that we stand firm in Christ, and then, we, and then talking about this week, that we fulfill the ministry set before us by looking to Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So we are a family of faith built up in Scripture, encouraging one another in the faith, and we seek to fulfill the ministry that God has put before us. As Risen Hope, our heart and prayer is that we all individually and as a church body would know and show God that we might see more of who God is and what he has done for us. And that we do that, we would share with our families, our friends, our neighbors and coworkers who Christ is, that we get to show them Christ because of what Christ has done for us and because of the faithfulness that we have seen and received in him. Um, as we prepare to take a communion here in just a few moments, um, let us remember the faithfulness of God, the God whose faithfulness knows no bounds. As the writer of Hebrews recounted, time would fail for us to share of all that God has done through people by their faith. For we have through this faithfulness been delivered out of darkness into his marvelous light by which Christ died on the cross to bring us forgiveness for our sins and eternal life with him. That's what it looks like to walk by faith is that we see in Hebrews 11, all of these people who were clinging to the promise of God, the promise that God would send his son. And now we, on the other side of the cross, we get to look to 
the faithfulness of God, the promises of God, and know that God, who, as we saw throughout the Old Testament, as we see in Christ, was always faithful to fulfill his promises and always faithful to work through people by faith. We now, looking to the cross, looking to Christ, the one who has come, the one who has died for us, the one who has on that cross, as his body was pierced and his blood was shed for us, as we celebrate that in communion we, today, we remember and we thank God for his faithfulness to us, for him giving himself for our sake, that we might walk out this faith now and live in those promises that we received. And just as those people live by faith and God's promises was fulfilled, we have the promises of God that continue for us today. We have the internal life that we are promised with God. We have the the ultimate union that we will have with him in eternity. And we know that looking back through all of scripture, looking back to these people in Hebrews 11, looking to the cross and looking to the continued work of people like Paul and Nympha and this letter to the Colossians, we see that God is always faithful to his promises. So again, as we take communion in a moment, let's just celebrate the, the faithfulness of God. Let us remember what has been done for us and let us remember the promises ahead of us and the track record God has to fulfill those promises and the rest that we have in this faithfulness. Oh, would you guys pray with me? God, we, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. Um, God, I pray that you would just remind us of what you've called us to, um, God, that ultimately we've all been called to, to know you, God, and to show you. God, that we've been called to love you with all of our hearts, our soul, and mind, God, and that we've been called to love our neighbors as ourselves, God. Um, God, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts and show us the different ways that you have gifted us or blessed us or called us or surrounded us with certain people that we may love and serve them, God, that we may see the ministry that you're putting ahead of us, God, and that we may just join in the ministry of this overall church to, to love and serve the people of Kingsgate and the people around us and, and our families and our friends and our coworkers, God. God, I pray that as we look at Colossians, we would just be completely remembered of, of the call that we have to look to Christ, God, that we would be centered in Christ, that our lives would be all about Jesus, God, that we would remember the family of faith that we have, God, God, that we would look to and see your word and the faithfulness of your word to us and the way that it grows us and molds us to be more like you and to see more of who you are, God. God, I pray that we would be a church body and just a group of believers that would encourage one another and that we would surround ourselves in this church and and with other believers that would encourage us, God. God, and that we would just seek to fulfill what you've called us to, God. Um, Just pray for risen hope that we would just continue to seek and love and serve um, one another, God, that we would build one another up, God, and that we would go out and love and serve um, the people of Kingsgate, the people of Kirkland, and the people of our lives that are around us, God. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, help us to not just believe in you, but God, to believe your promises, God, and to see the track record of you, the one who always fulfills that which he has promised, God. God, we thank you again for your faithfulness. Be with us today. Let us celebrate that faithfulness as we take communion and as we sing these songs, God. You are good to us and gracious to us, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.